Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. Our goal is that this message builds your faith and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. We're continuing the series, Jesus is King. And I am so overwhelmed by the revelation God's been giving me. I encourage all of you, we all encourage you, when you step into this house, bring yourself some, something to write notes with. Take notes with what we're saying and, and reflect on it, think about it. Let it be engraved in your hearts. As you grab your Bible, turn with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 14. The book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 14. In this church, our strong point is discipleship, teaching, and helping you grow in Christ, giving you an opportunity to let the Spirit of God begin to work in your life. The one thing I love to do and always have, and I've done this since God saved me, was give Bible studies. I love to impart understanding, wisdom, and revelation. You know, you got to understand something about revelation. Revelation is what God, how he reveals himself to you. The reason why God reveals himself to you is that you can see him and know him by faith in a certain area of your life to have faith to approach him to let him work in your life. It's necessary to, for God to reveal himself. As he reveals himself, you will be empowered and you will have keys to the kingdom. In fact, that's what, that's what Peter said to, uh, Jesus said to Peter when he said, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, some say you're Elijah, some say you're, you're one of the prophets. But he said, who do you say that I am, Peter? And, and he told Peter, and Peter told him, he said, well, you're, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And he said, flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my father, the spirit revealed it to you. And he said, upon this revelation, this rock, this solid foundation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, he said, I will build my church upon this revelation and whom Jesus is. And the gates of hell, meaning the gates, not like your gate and your property, the gate was a place where the, the city officials met the council and they discussed business and they strategized. And he said the gates of hell or the plans of hell then will never prevail against the church because they're going to know who I am. You understand what I'm telling you? So during this series, we're revealing to you how Jesus is the King of King and the Lord of Lords. Today's the final day of this sermon series. I'm ready to go for it. I'm excited to share it, and I believe you're going to feel, I already feel the anointing in this house already. Are you ready? Revelation chapter 3. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Verse 14, it says, write this letter to the angels of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I know all things you do. Now, he's speaking to the church, but he knows all that they are doing. You are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. Now, let me explain the hot or cold because I have, was taught my whole Christian life that God would, the, would rather you be on fire or cold and not, not, not even hung, hungry for him or desiring him at all. He wants either or. And I, that's not what the scripture is saying. 
that scripture is literally trying to reference the state of a Christian when it's cold or hot. What that's referencing is he would rather you be on fire, on fire with healing and deliverance and either be cold as refreshing to give a prophetic word, to be a refreshing to people as you speak, those that walk in joy. He said, but rather you are lukewarm. So it doesn't make sense that God wants us to be cold. It doesn't make sense that God only wants us to be hot. He wants us to be either or, refreshing or fiery. Does that make sense? Okay. You do the word study. You'll figure it out. Pray about it. So he goes on and says this. I know all the things that you do. You're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spew you out of my mouth. So that makes sense. You're not refreshing. You're not delivering. You're not delivering in, in fiery excitement and passion in my presence. So you're lukewarm, and I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. That's the problem with America right now. The problem we have is in America, and I'm going to be very clear on this, most Christians don't come to church unless they're in trouble. Most Christians don't come to church unless they're in trouble, they're facing issues and facing problems until they need God. God wants us to be in a place where we want him regardless of our status and how blessed we are. Money should never be your God. Your house and your car, your job should never, your business, nothing should ever be your God. He wants to be your God. He said, you don't realize you're a wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. In other words, it's another type of spiritual riches that God wants to give us. He said, buy also white garments from me so you will not be ashamed of your nakedness. And how many of you know that those white garments represent the forgiveness of God of our sins? And so he also said, the ointment for your eyes so you will be able to see. How many of you know that the ointment that God gives us and the anointing that comes from his presence gives us understanding? He said, I correct and discipline everyone I love. He says, I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent. Turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come to you and we'll share a meal together as friends. I'm going to eat with you. In other words, what did he tell the disciples? I'm giving you a lot of stuff here, but what did he tell the disciples when he sat with them at the Last Supper, he said, I am not going to eat this bread or drink this cup again until we do it together in the kingdom of God. He wants to sup with you, eat with you, fellowship with you. Those who are victorious, listen to me now, here's, what, here's the scripture text. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne. just as I was victorious and sat with my father at his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Anyone who is victorious, he said, they sit with me on my throne. 
This letter to the book in the book of Revelation to the church of Laodicea was written for that church, but it's still a biblical truth and principle that you can read about that Paul describes in the book of Ephesians as well. All the churches, in fact, that are walking in the will of God and are connected and have the Spirit of Christ are seated with Him in heavenly places. You have the same type of authority and power as the one who sits on the throne. You have the same authority and power and the ability to reign and let God be God in your life as the one who sat on the throne. How many of you know that Jesus is the king of your life? Can you pray right now and just bless this service? Will you lift up your hands and just pray to the king right now? Come on, enter into his presence with thanksgiving. Enter into his courts with praise. Somebody tell him, thank you for this service today. Thank you for your presence today. Thank you for what you're going to do in this moment. Thank you, Father, for being so faithful to us and loving us the way you do. Anoint me, God, as I release the word today with love, clarity, wisdom, understanding. Pray that you anoint the ears of the believers to hear today what you would say and teach us and show us. Give us divine revelation. Help me describe it clearly to them. In Jesus' name we pray. And we, if you feel his presence, somebody say amen. Give the Lord one more hand clap of praise in here. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Turn to your neighbor and tell them Jesus died and rose again. And you can be seated. Thank you for worshiping. Thank you for praising. Thank you for being here. For all of you watching online right now, thank you for joining. Uh, for those of you that watch us on YouTube, thank you for joining and subscribing to our channel. Um, you can download our app on the App Store, iTunes, and uh, Android, and follow us and stay connected there as well. I read a story, and I also saw the movie called A Case for Christ. Well, Lee Strobel was an investigative journalist who, whose wife had an experience with God. And, and he was adamant and very against her experience. He didn't believe in God. He was an atheist. He didn't believe in religion. He didn't believe in going to church. He actually went to the church that she attended, and he would cause some trouble, ridicule, mock. He would listen so he can go back home and dissect everything that was being said to prove it wrong. So as he began to do his investigation, he actually said to himself, if I can't convince her by just simple words, I'm going to do the research to try to prove that Jesus was a false prophet, that he was just a figment of someone's imagination. So this was his thought process. He tried to figure out what he can do to, to, to do what kind of research he needed to do and what he needed to say and to his wife. And so the one thing he thought of was if he could prove that Jesus never died, then he can prove that Jesus was never resurrected. And so 
as, as he did this and he moved on forward and started doing all the investigating with even people that were skeptics. So the first place he went to, he went to the archives and started getting an account of the people that could confirm that he was alive after his crucifixion. And what he found out was that there are just way too many people that gave an account and saw him. History tells us that actually after he was resurrected and spent 40 days and 40 nights with his disciples, that he was actually alive and 500 people saw him. And what the gospels wrote about him and what historians wrote about him. And there were records outside the Bible so his, his, his approach there, it failed. So he thought to himself, now I have to prove that he really didn't die. So what he did was, because everything was validated in history and, and everyone wrote it down to the stages of the crucifixion, he went to the medical doctors. And when he went to the medical doctors, he went to them to try to ask them questions about what he went through and how he was crucified and how he went through the torment in Pilate's Hall. And doctors started to tell him with how he was crucified and whipped with those whips that they had that had little hooks on them and how his flesh was ripped that no one could survive with all of that torture and stripes and lesions after carrying a cross after getting there, being hung on the cross, that the infection that would settle, settle his body would be so bad and that every nerve ending would be so excruciating, the pain would be so much. And then the doctor finalized something and he said to prove he actually died is when he hung on the cross and the Roman soldier took the spear and pierced it on his side and water and blood came out, signified that his body was shutting down. And one of the last stages of his death was is that his lungs were filled with water and blood and liquid that would cause him to suffocate and lose his breath. That was the final stages of his death. And so he, come to, he came to the conclusion after a while and said, there's really no way around it. That was the scripture, John chapter 19, verse 34. It said it like this, so you can see it as well. He said, one of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with the spear, and immediately blood and water flowed out. Now, this report was from an eyewitness giving an account, an accurate account. He speaks the truth so that you can also believe. Someone say, I believe. These things happen in fulfillment of the scripture that says not one of his bones were broken. They didn't break his bones. They would break the bones of those that were being crucified to make sure that they were dead and they had no response. But they didn't want to break the bones of his body, so they pierced his side, and there they got evidence. This was something that was constantly reoccurring. In Luke chapter 24, verses 37 through 44, I'm not going to read the entire thing. But if you look down and jump, he was spent, jumped down to verse 38. There was a whole group of people that were there. 
and they were startled and frightened, and they were seeing, they thought they were seeing a ghost when Jesus came to them because he had been resurrected and he thought he was a ghost. And then, then they said, Why are your hearts filled with doubt? He said, Look at my hands, look at my feet. You can see it is really me. He said, uh, Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Life Center podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, then subscribe and follow us on social media at CLC Victoria. Connect with us by visiting our website, clcvictoria.org. In the world, and certain religions say that when Jesus was resurrected, it wasn't his body, it was his spirit that came back to visit. But that's not what the scripture says. The scripture actually says he was resurrected in his body. And this proves it right here. Yes, give God some praise. I know it's not Sunday, Easter Sunday. But listen, I'm telling you, the king was resurrected. He was resurrected in his body. This was part of the plan that God had from the very beginning. And then he sat down and explained the scriptures to them for 40 days and for 40 nights, everything concerning him and why he suffered, why he went through the things that he went through. There were also many witnesses that were there and they saw it. Not everyone stayed with them to Jerusalem when he said, wait there for me and I'll undo you with power from on high. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to baptize you in the spirit, but wait there in Jerusalem. But here's the point we have to realize is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was validation for what the scripture said about him. And it validated that he was not just the son of God, but the very God in human flesh, in human flesh, that he wasn't just a man. He was more than just a man. He wasn't just a human being. He was more than just a human being. Do you realize who Jesus is today? That's all I'm asking. Do you realize who Jesus really was? It ought to get you excited to know that your God was resurrected and no one, no one, there were no smoke and mirrors. There were no, there was no trickery. There was no, 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 no tricks. There was no spells. There was nothing in this world that could convince anybody else. It was the pure power of God. <laughs> Jesus told the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he said, destroy this temple and I will raise it again after three days. They thought he was talking about the building of worship, the sanctuary he was talking about his body, and he said, no one's going to resurrect it. I'll resurrect it myself. Why? Because he was the king of kings. He was the God in human form. He was somebody to be reckoned with. He was the one who stepped into this world and said, let there be, and there was. Let me explain it to you this way, and my point, and the only point I'm giving you today is this. Jesus had to overcome before he could become. Jesus had to overcome before he could become king. He had to conquer every level that we know in our finite minds. So let me go into 
this right now. The first thing that happened is that Jesus conquered the world. Jesus conquered the world. He came into this world and he began to give and do ministry. But there was no one that can stop him. And the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 4, write this down, Hebrews chapter 4, it says in 15, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. That's powerful. He came in this world, and he was tempted like you and I. Now, hold on a second. Contemplate that for a moment. Think about that for a moment. Ponder it for a moment. What have you been tempted by? What things have you ever been faced with? Jesus was faced with the same things, yet he didn't give in to it. He didn't sin. Why? Because he had the power of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of his Father inside of him. He came down with the kingdom of God inside of him, and the gates of hell could not prevail against what was in him. That's why, that's why Jesus showed up on a scene where there was nothing but sick people and he healed them all. Do you understand what I'm telling you? What I'm telling you is, is that all he had to do <clears throat> was step on the seashore and the devils came and bowed down to him and acknowledged him because what he had on the inside was way too powerful for hell and the world to face. Uh, I'm telling you, tell them, turn to your neighbor right now and tell them, Pastor Bobby's preaching today. Estos piernas de fuego, I know. Yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about, do you? This fiery feet he's got on today. Here, here, here's, here's what I'm trying to tell you, is that Jesus overcame everything in this world because no one in hell, no spirit, not Satan himself, no one, no human being, no one can stop the will of God in his life. <clears throat> he was destined to be king. He was destined to be king. And then the next thing that happened was he conquered death and hell. He conquered hell. You see, he went through and he had his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. When he went into Jerusalem, they took him, they crucified him, and then when he died and gave up the spirit, you see, the spirit inside of him did not die because spirits cannot die. God cannot die. But you remember when he was up on the cross and he said, Father, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? And shortly after that, he said, it is finished. There is a place in the scripture where you can find that the spirit withdrew itself from the body, and that's what was happening so the body can die. What was keeping him alive was the spirit. And after he died, guess where he went? He went to hell. You know why he went to hell? Can I help you? So you and I don't have to go there. He didn't just go to hell. Listen to this. 
he seeing this beforehand spake of the resurrection of Christ. This is Peter preaching that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses, he said. Peter stood there in front of the multitude with the 120 disciples on the day of Pentecost and preached this message. And he said that David, King David, wrote a psalm and said that will not leave my, you will not leave my soul in hell. That was a prophecy given for Jesus, that Jesus would come out, out of the grave. So he didn't just go to hell, he came out of hell. Oh, let me help you right now. What's the benefit of that? Well, first of all, you've got your sins remitted, and you don't have to go there. But you know what, Pastor Bobby? I'm facing hell on earth right now. Well, guess what? If Jesus came out of it, you can come out of it too. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? If you're going through some things right now, you can go through it, and the Scripture says, listen, listen to what the Scripture says. And his flesh did not see corruption. His flesh wasn't burned. Oh, my God. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Y'all, you, you, you understand what I'm trying to tell you? In other words, why do you think that Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego were in the fiery furnace, and when they looked in to see, they saw a fourth man in the fire. Who do you think that fourth man was? Fire does God, our God is a consumer of fire. But the scripture says that when they came out, they were unsinged. The only thing left, only thing, the only thing that was gone was their bonds, the ropes that tied them in there. That means that fire, for you and I, it's a good place to be in. A fiery trial is the best place for you to be in because fiery trials will burn off all the things that gets you bound in your life and it sets the Holy Ghost free. That's why you and I should never, ever be afraid of trouble. We should never be afraid of a trial, never be afraid of bad news because our God is a consumer of fire and he's going to see us through. If you're going through trouble right now, somebody needs to lift up your hands and say, my God will see me through this. My God overcame hell. My God can eat fire. My God will come through for me. Give God some praise. Come on. Give God some praise. There is so much to understand about the benefits that come to you and I when it comes to Jesus' resurrection. Some of this is immediate for the now. A lot of it is because we are firm believers that the kingdom of God has come. But there is also the hope of heaven where we will live forever with the Lord in heaven. But while we're waiting, while we are waiting, you can experience what God is doing and what God has. I used to work in the restaurant business for years. That was my desire, and that was my dream to open up a restaurant. Not just one, but many. I wanted to be in the food industry. I was in it for years. I understood how to manage the back of the house, the front of the house. That was my goal. God had different plans for me. 
But one thing we used to do all the time was, as my boss used to say, there's a crowd of people out there. He said, we got to take care of them. He said, I want you to make some samples and go out there and let's let them taste it. To keep them occupied and just to suffice them and satisfy them just for a moment before they get and eat the real dinner and eat their real entree. What God is actually doing with us, he gave us an earnest of our inheritance in our life where we are experiencing heaven right now. We are experiencing heaven whenever we have a healing in our life. Why? There is no healing in heaven. Just a taste. Full healing would mean that your body is done away with and you're completely made whole. We experience a miracle in our life. Why? Because heaven is a miracle. We experience deliverance in our life. Why? There are no demons and darkness in heaven. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? we experience the presence of God when we come to church and lift up our hands because there's worship 24 hours a day, seven days a week up there for eternity. We are going to worship him. And there are angels that fly around the throne crying out, holy, 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 Lord God almighty, which is, which was, and which is to come. Our God is holy. Our God is righteous. And he's a consumer of fire. And he went down to hell so you don't have to. And the next thing that happened was is that he ascended up to heaven. He came out. He ascended up on high. The scripture says it like this. Now Christ has gone to heaven. He is seated in the place of honor next to God. That translation is the New Living Translation. But the King James says it that our God that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. It is a Hebrew term that references a position of power, not a literal right place, right hand. Study the Hebrew language and you'll understand what right hand means. Because let me ask you a question. God is a spirit, and no man has seen him at any time except the only begotten of the Father, which was the Son of God, because God is a spirit. He is bright. He is light. He's a spirit, and spirits don't have bodies. I hate to take your childhood imagination of what you were taught in Sunday school, but biblically, you can't see a spirit. That's why God made a body. I know we get this impression in our mind that there's this old man with a long beard with a cane sitting on the throne, and there's baby Jesus sitting on his lap, and there's a bird on his shoulder and all these. Let me Hold on. I, I'm not trying to knock out what you were taught when you were little, but let's grow up a little bit and get a good revelation. God is a spirit, and how that's everywhere. It's omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. And how could you put somebody on the right hand of something that's everywhere? So he was placed in a place of power. So that's why when you read the book of Revelation, the scripture says there was only one that sat on the throne. It was the lion and the lamb, the one who overcame. That's why Jesus looked at Philip and said, Philip, why do you want us to show you the Father? He said, don't you know that he that has seen me has seen the Father? Why saith then, show us the Father? Have I long time been with you that you don't know me? In other words, the Spirit of God is inside of me, and when you're dealing with me, you're dealing with him. 
God formed himself and made himself a body, and we call it the Son of God. He is the Son of God. Um, am I losing you? And so he is seated in the place of honor next to God. All the angels and authorities and powers accept his authority. In other words, everything and everyone in heaven has accepted the authority of Christ. What does that tell me? That tells me this, that Jesus conquered every level. He first came and conquered the earth without sin. And everything in the earth that was sinful, he overcame yet without sin. And then secondly, he overcame and conquered in heavenly realms where they respected and honored him. And then he also overcame hell. He covered all dimensions. He covered every single dimension. The reason why, and he had to be tested in every area, is because the Father was fixing to make him the king of all things. And he had to go through and overcome so he could become. And now he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And now... When we read the scripture, he says it even further that those that are victorious in Christ shall remain with him. But when you look a little bit closer, it says this, but God who is rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, oh my gosh, oh boy. Someone say, we used to be dead. Come on, somebody say, I was dead at one point. But I became alive. That was the first resurrection. You don't even know what I'm talking about, boys. I just went over your head like a ham sandwich at a bar mitzvah. When you read the scripture, we were all dead in our trespasses and sin. Then God gave his spirit and poured it out in our life, and that was the first resurrection. You were resurrected from an old life. It's all over the scripture. Study it to a newness of life. In other words, by the spirit of Christ, you were risen from the dead. Listen to this, and that's symbolic for the things to come also. But the scripture also said that that same spirit that was in Christ is in you. The same will resurrect your body on the last day. So you are going to go to heaven. You are not going to stay in. You're not going to hell. You're coming out of the grave. We're doing something that only God can do and experience that. But he said it right here. That even though you are dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. But he raised us from the dead along with Christ. And this is speaking of now. This is not speaking of the future. It's speaking of present tense now. For he, read this with me. For he raised us from the dead. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, did you know that God raised you from the dead already? I mean, you're, 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 you're probably thinking to yourself, oh, how can I? I've not died yet. No, no, no. You were dead in your sins, but God raised you from the dead. Are you ready? Read this with me again. Are you ready? So he raised us from the dead. Come on, say it with me. He raised us from the dead. 
along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Whoa, are you kidding me? So spiritually, because you have the Holy Spirit, you've been baptized in his name, taken off the name of Christ. You've been washed by his blood through your repentance. When you receive the spirit of Christ, you are automatically in the spirit connected with him. What do you think Paul wrote that we're seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus? <laughs> Uh-oh. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? You understand what I'm trying to tell you, right? He is the king of kings. Who are the little kings? I'm going to ask you again. Somebody needs a reply to me. I'm going to everybody gets it here. If he is the king of kings, yes, he's the king over those that are in foreign countries or under monarchies, of course. But who do you really think those other kings are? Why? Because you're seated with him. That don't make any sense. I'm sitting in the church right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you got saved and you were born into a kingdom and the kingdom connects you to the king. That's why the moment you start thinking like the king, speaking like the king, you start seeing things change around you that's going to conform to the kingdom. Where the word of a king is, there's what? Power. That's what we taught you this past week in this series. Where the word of a king is, there's power. That means that when you go into prayer and the king talks to you according to his word and you release the word, then the something is going to happen in this realm, in this world, and everything. That's why whatever comes from hell can't stop you because Jesus already overcame hell. And every demon, can you imagine the devils tried to stop him? No, 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 you can't go, you can't go. And some of them probably couldn't even touch him. They were in darkness, but what he had in his life was too bright. Can you imagine? They couldn't even look at him. The fire couldn't even burn him. And they looked at each other and they said, oh my God, we messed up. We killed the wrong guy. We crucified the wrong person. Right? Like Jesus would say, you messed up this time. Huh? You ever seen these moves? Huh? You need to watch Nacho Libre, guys. I'm telling you, you got to watch it. (laughs) You understand what I'm trying to tell you, right? (laughs) Your God is bad to the bone. That's all I'm saying. Your God's an awesome God. Jesus Christ resurrected and rose again. And listen, he didn't just resurrect and rose again. He resurrected, rose again, and sent his spirit down on the earth so you can be with him. That's why you should never look sad and be down and out 
because the king is in your life and you have authority and you have power and you have a word to say and you have the right to let God reign in your life because you sit with him. Oh, my God. Woo! Revelation chapter 17, verse 13 and 14 says, And they will all agree to give them their power and authority. Together they will go to war against the Lamb. But the Lamb, this is speaking of, this is speaking of what will happen. Now remember, guys, he is writing to the churches in that seven churches of Asia. The key to understanding the book of Revelation is found in the first chapter. He said the time of these things are at hand now. And this is referencing, and all these letters are referencing to things that haven't happened. There is going to be a great white throne judgment that will happen in our generation. The Lord will come back. The Lord will come back. But most of these letters were written to the churches that existed already. And he said, during your lifetime, he said, they're going to cause war, but the Lamb will defeat them because he is the Lord of all lords and king of all kings. That means that every kingdom, there are different kinds of kingdoms in the world. There's the kingdom of God. There's the animal kingdom, the plant kingdom, the kingdom of darkness. There are different kingdoms, folks. And Satan is the king of darkness. And he said, they will not be able to defeat me. And I have children that I have left an inheritance to that the Father promised that there will never be one, never be one fail for eternity to sit on the throne with me, to reign with me, to ex exercise power. And he has called and he has called and chosen and faithful ones will be with him. And is called, are you called? He's chosen, are you chosen? That's what, that's what Paul said. He said that we are called a chosen priesthood, a royal people, chosen and called by him and faithful ones. All it means to be faithful is to be there and be ready. The faithful ones. He said, they are going to be with me. And they're going to help me defeat every principality, every dominion, every angel, every problem. That's why when we face these small issues in our life, it is nothing compared to what God can do. Our faith needs to go to another whole level, and it's all based on relationship with him. Come on, Haley. I'm telling you right now that once you understand who God is and who Jesus was, and he is the king of our life, and where you're seated with him, then all it takes is for you to wake up and line yourself up with him again. That's all God is waiting for. You're not waiting up on God. God is waiting up on you. And all you've got to do is line yourself up with him. But stubbornness, selfishness, self-gratification. Ah, you're going to hate me after this. Laziness. Carnality. 
is the only thing stopping us, not the devil. The devil's been defeated. Not the spirits in this world. They've all been defeated. Not any angels, fallen angels either. Our flesh causes us to live like a pauper. But we were never meant to be poor. We were meant to be blessed and rich in him. He said he would supply all of our needs. All of our needs. Do you need healing in your life? Do you need a financial breakthrough? Well, maybe there's something blocking that, and maybe you need to sit down with him. Remember that? Sit down. Remember that? Maybe you need to sit down with him, rest in him, and let him be the king. Let him reach out with the golden scepter and say, I'm approving approving you. I'm knighting you. You have every right to step in and take territory because I'm backing you up. I'm with you. I will go with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will teach you all things. I will give you power and authority to tread on serpents, to step on scorpions, to step on the lion and the aider. I will cause you to triumph in dark places. I will cause you to face demons and they cannot look at you in the eye because you're going to have fiery eyes. They can't hear your words because you're going to have fiery words. I'm telling you, you have authority in Christ. Your God is a consumer of fire. So therefore, I will not be intimidated by fiery trials that try to come my way. They're not going to make me weak. They're going to purify my spirit. And I shall come forth as pure gold. And I will be known in the kingdom of God. The sons of Sceva said, we adjure you by the, by the God whom Paul preaches. And they said to them, oh, Paul we know, Jesus we know, but who are you? You're not making an influence or, or causing problems till hell knows your name. But you've got the name of Christ. And you walk in authority. And you walk, how many of you are catching this this Sunday morning? Here's the thought I'm going to leave you with right here. The last point is this. My conclusion is this. We are the kings under the king's authority. That's who you are. You're royalty. Man or woman, it doesn't matter. In the kingdom of God, there is neither man nor woman, Jesus said. We are all sons of God. And you have authority in your life. Where do you need him to reign? Where do you need him to operate? What do you need him to take over? What area of your life? You don't know how to do it. Maybe you don't know how to pray about it. I tell you the easiest thing to do, just start going and bowing in his presence. Just start going. Some of you have been called in this church to be kingdom financers. You are kings. You are kings. There are some of you that are financial kings. That's why the devil messes with your finances so much. That's why he's always messing with your mind. That's why he puts that spirit of greediness there sometimes. That's why the devil starts to mess with you and tell you, oh, you know what, don't do that. They don't deserve that. Or, oh, that's just another religion. That's just another this and that. That is hell trying to stop you from the blessings of God in your life. Become the king that God wants you to be. Become the influencer that God wants you to be. There are some of you that have ministries, ministries of deliverance, 
where you walk with the crown on your head into an area where every spirit will be, give obedience to the spirit of Christ inside of you. And you can pray for those that have nicotine addictions, that have alcohol addiction, that all of the addictions in the you can ever label. It doesn't matter what kind of an addiction you're dealing with. The spirit of God wants to deliver you from it and set you free from it. There are people that are living in prison still because they don't know that they're royalty. This is not an ego moment. This is not a moment where you, you allow it. See, religion will say, oh, that just sounds religious. That just sounds like, oh, my God, that sounds like, nar that's just narcissistic. That's just weird. I only have one king. You do. He is the king. But when you're under him, you become a king because he told you you're sitting with me. That's like a dad taking their boy, their child, and letting them go to the country road and letting them sit behind the wheel on his lap and saying, you know what? I got the power. You just steer. I got the power. I'll rev it up. But you just learn how to control the thing. And they think they're running the whole thing. You know what? We're not running the whole thing. There's somebody else behind us that has power. And all he wants you to do is get your life in control. That's all he wants you to do. Get your life in control. If you believe this, stand to your feet this Sunday morning. I want you to raise your hands, if you will, all over the place. And just call on that name. Call on the name that's above every name. Call on the name of Jesus. He is worthy of our worship, worthy of our, our honor. He is the King of kings. When you worship him as your king, you'll start to experience the same kind of authority, and he'll begin to reign in your life. Come on. God can do so much more than what he's doing right now in your life. You haven't even seen all of what God wants to do. It's never too late. It's never too late. 